Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. You are listening to Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, Joy Kills Sorrow. Joy Kills Sorrow was formed in Boston's fertile folk scene in 2005. Their lineup is pretty standard for a string band. Guitar, mandolin, banjo, upright bass, and vocals, but they are anything but an old-time string band. They retain the virtuosic tendencies of their bluegrass forefathers, but they are pushing the boundaries of a style not known for its avant-garde aspects. Also akin to the progenitors of bluegrass, their tempos can set barns on fire, but there is something decidedly modern about the way Joy Kills Sorrow arranges the original songs that fill their two albums. They share more in common with mandolin prodigy Chris Thiele's post-Nickel Creek Ensemble Punch Brothers than they do with Bill Monroe, but they are savvy enough musicians to know that they are standing on the shoulders of giants. Every member of the band is a standout on their respective instrument, and they already have an impressive number of awards to their credit. With the band stacked with so many badass players, it would be hard for their music to sound any other way. Their brand new EP, Wide Awake, pushes their unplugged sound further into some louder and amped up indie rock territory, further expanding their already diverse musical universe. Welcome to Independence Day, Joy Kills Sorrow. Thanks, Hi, Joe. Nice. Hey, man. It's great to have you guys. We're doing like a living room session here. This is uh, welcome to Molly's Mobile Studio. That's the name <laughs> of our studio here. Let's introduce everyone so we know, uh, you know, it's like a baseball card. We know who we're talking to here. We're just going to go around the room starting with you. Hi, I'm Matt Arcara. I'm the Thank guitar player. Guitar player. I'm Zoe Gigano. I'm the bass player. I'm Wes Corbett. I'm the banjo player. I'm Emma Beaton. I'm the singer. I am Jacob Chaloff. I am the mandolin player. And so this is a pretty traditional lineup for a string band, you know, or an old time kind of string band, but you're certainly not doing that kind of music. I mean, when, when this band first started, I guess, my first question is, whose idea was it to start something of this nature, and how does it differ now from the original vision of this band? This band has been an evolution with some some char- evolving cast of characters, uh, but the idea was always to play string band music in a new way, whether it was playing old songs with new arrangements and new ideas or playing new songs and, and sort of can keeping an acoustic string band timber to everything, but opening up the possibilities and taking instruments out of their, you know, predetermined roles a little bit. Yeah, because when I think of like string band music or bluegrass style music, I, I think of a style of music that has some rules. To it, you know, it's kind of a, a somewhat rigid format. Now, it's it's kind of in in 2013. It's like it's kind of busting out of its seams. You know, we've got Punch Brothers, we've got a lot of bands. There's a band called Shell who I had on the show. They're based out of Denver, and they do a similar kind of thing, like all acoustic. It's through Four Sisters, super cool oh. band, um, and they do a, a wicked version of Zeppelin's uh, Battle of Evermore. But I'll <laughs> leave awesome. that. You can find that on our website. Yeah, they're really cool. Look it up. It's on our website. S S H E L Shell. But, you know, so bands like you and the, and Shell and Punch Brothers, they're really pushing the envelope of this. I mean, was that, that was the goal from the start, I guess. Yeah, that, you know, it was a couple of friends and we just liked playing music together and we just, we all didn't grow up really playing bluegrass at that point in time, that original group. And we liked the Beatles as much as we liked Bill Monroe and can't pretend that we didn't have those influences. So we just kind of played it the way we felt it should be played and how we felt like playing at that given moment. And 
just kind of did away with some of those rigid rules, which are great that they're there to keep the tradition alive, but it's just not how we play. Yeah. And do you, uh, based on that vision, I mean, did you get close to that? And like, as you know, members come and go, I mean, is this what you envisioned? And now like with this new EP, like, you know, you're, you're kind of pushing into an entirely new places like indie rock volumes and up tempo and different st- song structures than you would normally find in bluegrass. Is this what you envisioned? Is it like that? Is it different than like that? You know, I don't know that I actually had a, a real hard and fast exact vision of what it should be. I just had people that I wanted to make music with and I wanted to feel not constrained by being the guitar player means you have to be the lead singer and you play rhythm, you know? So we sort of evolved to where we are now based on everyone's strengths and their interests and what they brought to the table. And then sort of also talking about just the kind of music we wanted to make together. And the newest EP is just this sort of culmination of all those ideas rolled into one and just wanting to be more powerful as a, as a unit. It's I mean it's it's such cool music because it's even if you involve you know if you bring in indie rock idioms into what you're doing you know and we've got some tattoos in the band we've got some piercings in the band you know it's it's you're I don't know it's like you're you're respecting it like I, it really it's palpable to me that you're standing on the shoulders of giants but yet you're doing cool new things with it um, and. You know, tell me about this this EP with this process. Like, why like this indie rock thing keeps coming up in like all the PR material? Like, was that the band's idea, or was that something that kind of got grafted on? This is West, the banjo player. Um, you know, honestly, at least for me, I feel like this this EP and this new material is kind of just naturally the music we've started making. Uh, you know, it's like there's so much great indie rock happening and we all listen to a lot of it. And I think it's just started seeping in and, and we kind of looked at this new batch of material and we're like, wow, this is powerful stuff, but it's really not so purposeful. It really kind of was a very natural process, which I think is one of the things that's special about it. It has a nice spark to it because of that. Yeah, definitely can get your butt shaken if necessary. Because that's something you don't see a lot in bluegrass. You know, there's not a lot of dancing, you know. In, you know, And it's cool. You know, people like to move and people like to shake. But, you know, I, I, let's, let's play a little bit off of this new EP. This is a track called Endless D. Uh, the, the EP's called Wide Awake. The band is called Joy Kills Sorrow. So let's give a listen to this. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more with them about this new EP and where they're headed. So this is Joy Kills Sorrow with Endless D on Independence Day. Is it so far? 
You are listening to Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong. I bring you bands from Los Angeles and far, far beyond. Tonight's guests, I'm very, very happy to have them. Joy Kills Sorrow. They are a Boston-based ensemble. They are a five-piece. They're kind of an old-time string band who does not play old-time string band songs, at least and not in that medium. Uh, so like I said, very, very happy to have them. And you guys are on the road right now. You're pretty far from home. Like, what's the farthest you've been uh, from home so far on the road? Anybody can take this. Uh, we've been as far uh, west as Alaska and as far east as Germany and Denmark. We did, we've done a couple tours in Europe. So. Okay. Yeah, it's a much different scene over there. Tell me about the audiences in Europe versus the audiences here in the States. <laughs> it, uh, this is Emma Beaton, by the way, the singer. Um, it sort of depends on what country you're in, really, um, and sort of what types of gigs we've played. Um, you know, we've played at a lot of, like, bars when we played. We did, like, a short tour in Ireland one time. When we play in Germany, we end up playing a lot of really nice theaters. I think they have a lot of arts funding, so we have... Uh, Arts funding. <laughs> Novel idea, right? What do you know? Imagine that. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. But yeah, like they've got beautiful theaters and of course great sound gear. So uh, there's a lot of, you know, more kind of sit down crowds there. In Denmark, we've <laughs> had some kind of crazy shows in Denmark. Yeah. Um, so it just sort of depends, you know, it depends on the country and, and what types of gigs we're getting booked at. It's funny. Are, are you finding, you know, and then this is, I guess, an overall question. Let's back up even just a little bit. When you're out on the road, I mean, you're at this, there's two albums plus an EP now. So you are forming 2005. So you're several years into this whole thing. And how, I mean, how are you finding your audiences, you know, so far from home? Because you're like this five-piece band kind of a young band, even still, you know, out of Boston. Like, how are you drawing a crowd in Alaska? How are you drawing a crowd in Los Angeles? Like, how are you finding your audience? Is it social media? Is it, like, like flyers? Are you flying over with an airplane, <laughs> dropping CDs out the back? Well, uh, you know, I mean, we have gone out to do nationwide tours several times at this point. And so the first time around to most cities is a little bit rough. You know, we've played to some quite empty shows, and, you know, and still tried to have fun, but... It can be pretty brutal. But now I feel like, especially even on this tour, we're noticing a big difference just after you know hitting some of these cities for the third and fourth time, just significantly more people coming. Uh, and we've got like some good people working for us like press-wise, which is really helping too. But I think a lot of it is just that repetition and building an audience in each city. Yeah, you know, and that's the honest way to go about this. You know, it's not the American Idol way. It's not the TV, like instant fame way. I mean, you're going out and doing what musicians have done since time immemorial, which is bringing music to people, you know? And I really think, you know, the internet has been around now for, oh, low these 10 or 15, 20 years, but already I find, I see this a lot with younger musicians or younger people in general, they're really longing for a sense of connection, like human connection, and like going to see live music is something that's still really valued, you know? For a long time there, it's like everybody was in, had their iPods and their laptops, and they were all kind of closed off. And they interact. And, you know, social media is great. We interact through social media. But until you get in front of people, it's like it feels kind of cold sometimes. I mean, how are you guys using social media? You must you have a website. Well, let's drop that right now. It's just joykillsorrow.com, correct? Yeah. Yeah, facebook.com slash joykillsorrow. And also on Twitter, twitter.com joykillsorrow. Very easy. It's nice to have your name. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> in all mediums. It makes it easy for people. I feel bad for bands who like they'll they'll get their band name on Facebook and then just as a URL, but then for Twitter, like some kid and. Louisville's got their band name, <laughs> yeah. and then they have to add a one or some dopey thing like that. But are are you guys doing it your, yourselves with social media? I mean, you said you do have PR. Yeah, I, I take care of a, a lot of our social media stuff. But you know, as as far as like social media is concerned, it's constantly changing. Like, you know, what ten years ago, MySpace was the cool thing, and now that's like shameful to still have MySpace. <laughs> yeah. So it just you know, as far as we're concerned, like we try and stay on top of it and, and have social media be something that like it gives a little bit of an insight into the band, you know, like posting pictures of us on the road or silly little videos on Vine or, or whatever it is. But it's it's always changing and, it, and it's hard to I think everybody sort of is still figuring out and continuing to figure out how exactly to use those platforms and what makes the most sense yeah you could do super creative things with it like I said but then it kind of breaks down the barrier between I mean there's always been on stage and off stage when you know when you're touring you know, and, and it really kind of peels back the curtain and gives people, because, you know, when people, we just talked about this in the show last week, I think, or a few weeks ago, when, you know, people out there in the world, they see a band touring, like, they think it's all, like, Learjets and <laughs> and limousines and, and Crystal, and, you know, <laughs> yes. which, which it totally is. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, then there's, then there's, like, the Bon Jovi thing with, like, oh, my God, you know, the, the video from that song, like, oh, touring is so hard, but, you know. But it's it's both, you know. It's I mean, Learjets, of course, uh, Crystal. I mean, you, you get me specific. Crystal, yeah. Those things are all on our rider. Yeah, a very specific yeah. temperature. You guys like your <laughs> right? It has to be cellar yeah. temperature. Yeah. Um, well, we don't want to. You know, we try to be humble, so I don't really post photos of that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> make other bands jealous. You know? Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. I Matt. think this is Matt. I th- I think one of the things we we often try to use Facebook and social media for is letting people in on what our personalities actually really are. You know, Zoe got a new suitcase and we, from uh, uh, Osprey, a company in Colorado, sent us a bunch of bags, which was really nice of them. But Zoe got a new one and she really needed a new one. So we made a little video of us destroying her old suitcase and driving over with the van. And I think things that help your audience connect to you as people as besides just connecting to your music is really seems like what we try to do with a lot of it. Let people know like who we actually are as individuals. Yeah. Yeah, Well, it peels back the curtain because in, in in some ways it's, it's like a double edged sword because in some ways it feels like it's not even a 24 hour a day job anymore. It's like, I feel like I almost feel obligated that I'm, when I'm doing something, I feel like I'm always having to remember, Oh Christ, I should be tweeting about this (laughs) or I should be tumbling about this or I should tumbling or I should be, you know, Instagramming or I should be Facebooking or whatever for the love of God. I should always be doing something and it's like this weird version of like, uh, people just want to be involved in every little aspect. They want to see every little thing that you're doing but that also makes it fun and makes it fun for you as a band to do these kinds of things. It's more creative outlets. It's not just hurry up and wait where you're showing up at the venue. You're sitting there. You've got an hour. Why don't you make a video of destroying Zoe's back? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So you can you can do creative things with it, but like you just really have to, I, I think at least, you have to view it as something fun and not something that's a burden. Yeah, to and really too, like, at least, you know, from my experience, like looking at Twitter, it's pretty boring to look at, you know, bands or whoever's 
feed if it's constantly just I'm playing here, I'm playing here, this is the time, this is the ticket price. If it's always just like an advertisement, you you end up skimming over it and, and you only actually want to like watch out for that person's feed or whatever it is if it's actually funny or entertaining or interesting, you know? Yeah. So it's it's partly letting people in, but also keeping people's attention and making them want to know what we're up to and actually care instead of just always feeling like it's going to be an advertisement. Yeah, exactly. You just It's just another, It's if you think about it the right way, it's another avenue for creativity, yeah. which is what we're all doing. I mean, I've been on tour, man. It's, it's, a, it's a slog, but man, is it fun. <laughs> I mean, some of the best times I've ever had in my life have been when I was on tour. Fans, buses, cars, whatever. It was great. So uh, let's play some live music here uh, in my living room. <laughs> Which is where we're doing uh, we're doing our session tonight. Not normally at our normal studios, and these guys have been very very gracious about that. So thank you. You're very kind to Sally, Sally the dog, my mascot. Uh, and uh, but I think we've got some good sounds here. So let's listen to this. They're going to play. This is the band Joy Kill Sorrow. They're going to play a track. It's called Gold in the Deep. This is also found on their brand new EP, which you can buy on their website. And you guys are on iTunes, right? Yeah. All right. Cool. So this is Gold in the Deep. Let's hear this. Joy Kills Sorrow on Independence Day.
This is the band Joy Kill Sorrow on the show Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong. You can find out everything you need to know about my show, indepday.com, I-N-D-E-P-D-A-Y.com, and I will try my best to put interesting things on Twitter instead of just the same old advertisements for who's going to be on the show. This is the band Joy Kill Sorrow. They are looking forward and back at the same time, which is a really, really enviable position to be in because you've got a starting point. You know, you've got lineup, you've got tradition of your instruments. How close do you guys, because I, I know you guys are good at like pushing the boundaries of your music and like playing interesting arrangements, like kind of popish arrangements with blue, bluegrass instrumentation. But do you ever just go back and go totally trad and play like a straight up bluegrass tune? Yeah, constantly actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, to varying degrees, we all jam on bluegrass tunes, you know, pretty often. Like we, several of us live in Boston. Uh, and there's a lot of really amazing bluegrass players there. And, you know, Wes and I, that's, I'm Jacob, and I play the mandolin, uh, and Wes plays the banjo, and we get together and pick all the time, yeah. playing fiddle tunes or bluegrass tunes or singing. We sing tight together occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Do you, know, uh, do you know the band Hem? They're from Brooklyn. I know the one person who lives in New York in the band. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't heard of them. Okay, well, they're a Brooklyn-based band. Very very quiet, intimate, acoustic-type music. But when they tour, sometimes they'll have some of the band come out and play as a different band, open up and play even like straight-up traditional kind of bluegrass-type tunes, and then they'll come out and be the whole band later. Maybe you, could, you guys could do a duo. Definitely. We were talking about it, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jake and I have known each other since we were kids. Oh, okay. I met, I met him when I was a junior in high school and jake you were a freshman right yeah so, so and how many uh i guess this is for matt like how many original members do we have here right now just one just that you? would be me <laughs> yeah okay so it, was this like a spinal tap thing did they explode and bizarre <laughs> gardening some spontaneous and combustion like uh it's more um, like a stain you know <laughs> <laughs> don't even look at it <laughs> uh you know it just People came and went for different reasons, other bands, grad school, you know, different, wanting to play different music styles. And, and we just always seemed to have, I always, me and whoever else was in the band at that point in time, always seemed to have a reason to keep going. And we found somebody new to fit in and then we adapted to who they were as a person and started doing something and just sort of has been evolution but there's always been something keeping us going that's yeah. like okay we lost a banjo player let's just call Wes and see if he's interested because we yeah. love we love playing music with him so we might as well you know do it professionally instead of just for fun exactly and who's the next long-running member in the band here it would be Wes me yeah. yeah yeah I was actually got the phone call from Matt on my last gig with a different band a band called the Biscuit Burners. Okay. I was in Branson, Missouri. Really? $7 city. Yes, eating a gigantic chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> you have a very vivid memory, young man. Yes, yes. It's well, nice. I have a great memory for cookies, i got to tell you that. Yeah. Oh, man. And my, my mind just went in a whole random different place. <laughs> you said you've got a great memory for cookies. I'm just going to leave that right where it is. Branson, but you can get a gig in Branson. There's some hot players in Branson, are there not? It's a... It's a weird place. I mean, oh, definitely. I, I only ever played there the one time. We were there okay. for a week. We played four or five half an hour sets separated by a half an hour a day. So yeah. like, you run in, you play a half an hour set, you run out, you eat a you know cookie, a and cookie. go on a roller coaster, and then r- rinse and repeat. Yeah. So, weird. Well, it's yeah. Well, it's 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 kind of like Vegas 
in a, in a difference because Vegas shouldn't exist where it exists. Right. Because it's, it's just the middle of the desert. It's not even like there's really an oasis there to speak of. It just yeah. kind of grew up there and then they put a bunch of money in there and now people they just take people's money you know and branson's kind of its own its own thing out there in the middle of like the rolling hills of missouri but it's way more family oriented because it's right it's dry right which is i mean it's just a it's an odd wait are you dry completely dry yeah you can't get a beer in branson you is what you're telling me in branson missouri I'm never going. You can ride go karts, though. I'm never. That. I'm never going to Branson. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason why Joy Kilsar has never played Branson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's a pretty logical reason. That's, I didn't know that about Branson. Yeah. How did I get through the, all this time and not knowing that it was dry? I, I mean, I'm very familiar with the Southeast and dry counties and dry yeah. cities, and and I, I don't. Not saying I understand it, but it's it's <laughs> definitely there. Um, but I didn't know. That's so interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting place. I I mean, being there for a week was. You know, learn something, for sure. Yeah. So, so now, so now here we are in 2013. You've got this brand new EP just came out. Um, how, are you guys all full time music now? Yeah. Yeah. Like nobody's yeah. nobody's working at Starbucks or that's that's a beautiful beautiful thing. I mean, that's an envious position to be in. Now, is is for everyone here? This this band is the main like your main band now, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. you, you must play in a multiplicity of bands. It's like I'd never meet a band that does, someone doesn't play as a side project with something. You guys got other gigs going on? Um, or maybe there's other gigs the other guys in this band don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> Now's your time to come clean. I mean, I, I live in Boston. This is West banjo player again. Um, and I play, you know, a, a lot of pickup gigs and things around Boston, but I really don't have another specific gig the scheduling is just too complicated i mean i i like having some home time <laughs> yeah how many dates are you guys averaging a year on the road well uh the last couple of years we've been out about two this is jacob by the way uh we've been out about 200 days a year and not every one of those days has gig but you know there's some days off usually in some place we don't actually want to be you know that's where the days <laughs> off all, always. Um, that's always the case man every time yeah. i'm on tour but because they give you you get days off in a place where it's cheaper to have a day off right, right. you know i remember i had uh god where was i pittsburgh or some some funny place which is I'm, i shouldn't rag on pittsburgh i actually had a fine time but the but the w hotel is a lot cheaper there than it is in chicago or new york or la yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so you're about so 200 days. 200 dates. And then, you know, so this is something I think really factors into a band like yours or your specific band. You guys are all very, very accomplished players. When you're an accomplished player, generally you're still woodshedding. You're practicing fairly regularly. Is that the case or am I, am I delusional try to, about this? Yeah. Try to, yeah. Whenever there's okay. a chance. Okay, so, <laughs> so here's my question then. How are you maintaining, you know, what is your practice regimen when you're on the road, like you guys have a van, you guys own your own van. It varies band yeah. member to band member by significant numbers of hours each day. Yeah. <laughs> For some people, maybe me, uh, I practice very rarely. Whereas Jake sometimes pulls out his mandolin when we're at the gas station. Okay. <laughs> so now is that now am I detecting a parentheses much to the chagrin of the rest of the band <laughs> in that or is that okay no he sounds amazing and he wouldn't if he didn't practice okay. <laughs> and that's the benefit man of having a mandolin like zoe you can't do that yeah i need to have really some space and at least an hour to make it worth it setting up the base i have a chadwick folding base so i can't really just pull it out of its case whenever yeah to, to describe this to describe this thing i just saw one of these for the first time a couple of weeks ago buddy miller and jim lauderdale were in town and their bass player had i noticed that there was a big hole in the back of the bass <laughs> and i'm like what 
what in God's name? I'd never seen such a thing. And uh, <laughs> Sally's come over to say hi. Say hi, Sally. Um, so, so it takes like, what, 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes to kind of put the bass together? No, not that long. If, if I'm really in a rush, I can do it in about four minutes. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't. I just do. I just go on autopilot now, and I do it. It's yeah. not that hard. Yeah, it's pretty quick. Yeah, the case is about half the size of yeah. a normal, like a hard case for an upright bass. Yeah, the case is just the size of the body of the bass. Okay, and the neck That's, goes inside. Did you know with like Fender guitars, one of Leo Fender's first ideas for the detachable neck was for that very purpose? Because hmm. guitar players were traveling with bands, and they they were traveling by train a lot, and they they would the you know regular guitars, arch top guitars couldn't fit in the overhead area of a train so they leo's idea was for the detachable neck was cheaper and also easier they could but nobody ever did it nobody ever took their guitar i've never i mean i've taken to part but just for fun <laughs> they if actually you, make travel guitars now yeah. intentionally that fold up and you can fold them up and then bring it back and it'll still be at pitch yeah wow. there's all kinds of there's all kinds of inside information about traveling with instruments man like i said you make out like a bandit <laughs> yeah, yeah. The mandolin, pretty small, pretty light. I have about as much gear on that mandolin as possible, with the like armrest, you know, pickup. Uh, yeah, I have this like guard on the back that kind of keeps it off your stomach, and makes it louder. Yeah. So, and it's just a big, gaudy-looking mandolin. <laughs> it's crazy. So, it's uh, the flying V model. Yeah. Jake yeah. pays what he what what he has what he has to pay for with having a small. Small instrument to carry around on tour is people constantly asking him what kind of ukulele he's playing. <laughs> and ukes are very, like, ukes are I've kind of jumped the shark, I think. Yeah. They're, they're very, very popular right now. They're showing up in, like, everybody's band in L.A. And, you know, Eddie Vedder did that whole album of uke music. And you know who was bananas for ukes was uh, George Harrison. I guess he had, like, 200 at one point. Uh, anyway, how about a little bit more live music? You guys indulge us and play some more tunes? Yeah. Yep. All right, cool. So this is the track. Uh, I think it's called Was It You? And this is also something you'll find on that EP. And everybody should go out and buy it, right? Of course. Definitely. Yeah. Immediately. Multiple copies. Don't think. And you guys, and like most bands, you travel with merch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's, that's kind of how, how most bands get from city to city, it seems. So this is the band Joy Kills Sorrow playing another live tune in our studio here. This is Was It You from their brand new EP, Wide Awake, on Independence Day. Was it you just sleeping at the back door when you thought I wasn't home? Did you leave me in your conscience after one? Shadows are the places where we've been. The walls aren't giving any answers, and the silence never ends. Oh, 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 Sweet, eerie, 
Once again, Joy Kills Sorrow here on Independence Day. Very, very, very happy to have them. If you were Canadian, to be Joy Kills Sorrow. Oh, yeah, it just true. now occurred to me. <laughs> we sometimes are. Yeah? No Canadians in the band, right? These are all... There's two. There's two Canadians. Two Canadians in the band. Oh, it might be Joy Kills Sorrow. <laughs> Zoe still, still yeah, says I can't Sorrow. Change the way I said it. Where are you her. from in Canada? British Columbia. Oh, way out west. That's cool. I love Canadian music, man. I'm, I'm, I have long been of the opinion that Canadians have better music taste than Americans do. It's different. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Do you, you think so? Yeah, I think yeah. There's some Canadian musicians that are really different than any American musicians I've ever heard. And what well, the and there's more support, like actual government support for the yeah. arts in Canada. We've yeah, touched on that before with Germany. I mean, they actually, I was gonna say, give a poop. About yeah, most <laughs> yeah. We have uh, provincial arts funding yeah. for each province, and then we also have national arts funding. I mean, we like to grumble about how it's it always is getting cut and stuff, but I mean. It's great that we have it. Yeah, well, to, to, to get cut, it has to exist in the first yeah, place. Exactly. So that's a good thing. Yeah. You, get, you must play shows in Canada then. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're heading up there next week. Yeah. Something? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we've I, played a handful of the Canadian Folk Fests, which are awesome too. The, just speaking of government funding for the arts, yeah. you know, the Vancouver Folk Fest in Calgary and Winnipeg, they all put on these amazing yeah. folk fests with a huge array of music. Um. You know, when you guys show up at a venue with this lineup, you know, do you, at this stage of the game, are you getting paired up? Do you still run into this? Because it's like a touring, the bane of a touring musician. Do you still wind up getting paired with rock bands from time to time who are like twice as loud or four times as loud and have to deal with that kind of stuff? It's funny you should ask. Yeah, I mean, these days we're really wanting to get into a lot of rock clubs, so it's kind of inevitable that we get paired up with rock bands, but it is a constant challenge. Um, you know, getting us cranked enough that we don't sound right. pathetic after a rock band without stepping on the rock band's toes and trying them to be uh, get them to be quieter. Right. Because um, we don't necessarily want that. We like loud shows too. But um, we finally got our all our individual rigs set up so that we can be pretty freaking loud. Okay. We need to be. Yeah, but you're not using amps or anything. I mean, like, maybe do you not use usually. Amp, Last night I used an amp. This is Zoe, the bass player. But uh, I think that was the first time I did with this band. Yeah, but, it was so interesting. The the, the what's the stand up bass, the fold up bass called? The Chadwick folding bass. Chadwick, the the guy who's playing with Jim uh, Buddy and Jim was playing through an Ampeg SVT, which I just thought was the craziest thing. I never see an upright player playing through the full eight by ten cabinet that's almost oh. as tall as the bass. <laughs> it's pretty fun. Um, so you know, but then you know when you've got these rock bands, because that's another thing. Like you know, that's one thing Dwight Yoakam did back when he first got his start was like he was playing this really traditionalist country in Los Angeles in like the early 80s, mid 80s, but he'd go play in with like punk bands and like really hardcore rock bands and somehow he got into that kind of scene. I mean, are you guys like are you pretty welcome with open arms when you have share a bill with like a like a full-on rock band? Contrast is always good. Like yeah. in a show, you know, you don't want to play a show with two bands that sound exactly the same. It's yeah. boring for the audience. I think we appreciate what rock bands can bring and we envy like the loudness and the drum set and I think sometimes they probably envy how quickly we can load out of a oh, venue. Man. <laughs> You've got a lot of extra real estate in your van. We do. They don't have because it's you know even a even a small guitar amp starts to get pretty heavy after about six weeks on the road. <laughs> now how how favorably are you viewed by front of house engineers when you show up with this lineup? Because that's something having been on both sides. I've been a, I've been a front of house guy and I've been a musician most of my life, and a lot of engineers aren't used to seeing or mixing a band that sounds like yours. I mean, do you, I mean, is that a problem for you guys? 
It's uh, to varying degrees, and we've tried to reduce that, like on our own. Um, the I'm Emma. I'm the singer. Um, the instrumentalists uh, are playing into more pickups, and I use a mic now that's less likely to feedback. Um, so we try to make it as easy as we possibly can. But there definitely are some venues, like if we're playing at like a, you know real rock club that always has rock bands the sound guy may have never mixed a mandolin before so we just try to be as clear as possible about what we need and and make it as easy as we can but it's understandable you know especially when we're trying to be as loud as rock bands yeah it can be difficult when even the pa system in some rock clubs it's tuned to be a rock band room where it's the mix is kick drum and vocals because, you know, some guitar player is going to show up with a half stack and they're going to barely put any of it in the PA system anyway. So the whole front of house, the whole PA, the way the bass bins are and everything, where everything's, you know, crossovers are set is for a huge kick drum and for a lot of vocals. And for you guys, I mean, it's these are, you know, you guys have old, like awesome vintage instruments and they sound cool and they're different from that. So, well, I mean, I, I'm glad that you're pushing this into new places because I think it's really, really cool to take something like this and break it out of its kind of mold. It's kind of fuddy-duddy. I I say this with reverence because I honestly (laughs) love bluegrass and I love Bill Monroe. I love all those bands. But I'm, I'm always happy to see bands pushing it somewhere else too. Without without having drums, because that's my thing about bluegrass. I don't yeah. like it when they have drums, man. If you wanted to be in a rock, bluegrassers think about bluegrass. Yeah. yeah. If you if you wanted to be in a rock band, you should just play in a rock band. Have your drum set. So uh, one thing you guys do that's kind of interesting is uh, you know covers. There's such a rich tradition of covers in like bluegrass style music, and you guys are definitely writing your own music. And after this tune, I want to talk about like who's writing and how you guys arrange your tunes. But first, I mean, you're playing this, you, one, of, one of the regular covers you're doing these days is a Postal Service cover, Such Great Heights, which is also covered by Iron and Wine. So it's interesting to kind of double down on the, <laughs> on the cover. Like whose idea was it to cover a song that's like already kind of known as much as a cover as the original song was? Like whose, whose idea was that? We, uh, we were doing a residency in Boston and we came up with this idea of the veto-free cover where everybody in the band got to choose a tune. Oh, I love that idea. That the rest of the band had to play whether they liked it or hated it. Uh-huh. And we got through some of them. We didn't actually end up using them all or, or doing them all, but it wasn't, this tune was an idea that I had. But at the time, I think I only actually knew the Postal Service version. Okay. I don't think I'd actually heard the Iron and Wine one. I've never heard the Iron and Wine <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. It's quite good. I love what Sam B is doing that's the he's kind of the name behind that band he's doing yeah. such amazing stuff these days i'm very curious to know I mean, you guys are going to play that for us here in just a second but what what were the other I'm, i have to know what were the other non-veto covers everybody give them get what was yours uh well mine never got played i wanted to do a stevie wonder tune but we never oh. figured out did you have a one in mind yeah the, the last tune on um Songs in the Key of Life, All, uh, all Day Sucker. Okay. It's called. Yeah, it's really good. We should it's do that. It's, it's kind of left yeah, field. it's not too late. But there was one in particular that we uh, did record a demo of that we never played live. <laughs> Stop <laughs> This Train by John Mayer. <laughs> that was Emma's Who's choice was for that? the record. Yeah. It was mine or Wes's. Yeah. No, it was oh, yours. Yeah. <laughs> Wes and I are both guilty of that. It's yeah. real bad. It's, no, yeah. it's, it's sick. <laughs> you know, he's, he's one of those musicians. I feel like he's a solid musician. 
And I mean, I can't call myself a big fan, but I know he's talented and I know he gets kind of a bad rap because there's really not a VH1 anymore like there used to be. But there's certain artists that kind of fall into that VH1 category. <laughs> like, like, like Sheryl Crow. Well, adult contemporary? What's that? Adult contemporary? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to think. Like, Sheryl Crow is kind of in that. But I actually think she's really, really good. But she's a little safe and kind of VH1 bin type thing. And that's kind of where I, I picture John Mayer. There's not, nothing to take away from the guy, but it's kind of where he exists. Any, anyone, any, other, any other rejected uh, covers from the No Veto Cover Project? We did mine. Bridget and I sort of, our bass player at the time was this woman named Bridget, and we, we were coordinating where I chose the Postal Service tune, and then we were both going to pick out a Wilco tune to cover. Oh, it's very nice. Bridget and I were, and were both really big Wilco fans, and Jake is a Wilco fan as well. And I am a Wilco fan. So... Those were the ones that we actually started working on, but we never finished them. The only one that really got in. useful was yeah. was the Postal Service, and but it caught on. Actually, we covered the Postal Service song, and for some reason, it just wasn't happening groove-wise as much. I think we were just all worse at our instrument then. <laughs> but uh, then about two years later, we just busted it out in the green room, and it sounded like 10 times as good. Okay. And that was like a y- over a year ago now. And, yeah. now, and now we've been, just been playing it all the time. Yeah, that's the funny thing about bands. I mean, revisiting things is so important because it's not, we like to think of it as being it's the same five players, it's the same tuning, it's the same 12 notes, <laughs> same couple time signatures, but we're all on a continuum in our lives and we're all developing and changing and morphing and we're into different things at different times for different reasons. So something that didn't work last year might be like the best song on the set this year you know so it's important to both go back to things and also rework things i think is really fun yeah i think too like maybe at the time like our material has evolved a lot as well and i think it probably fits into our set list a little more if it's yeah. the material that we're playing now yeah especially if you're doing this this kind of like indie rock acoustic bluegrass kind of hybridized thing that kind of fits right in there so I'm, I'm tired of talking about this song I want to hear you guys play it we've yammered about it now for like 10 minutes which is absurd but uh, so this is uh, Postal Service's Such Great Heights the band is Joy Kill Sorrow so very happy to have them in our studio here on Independence Day Bye. 
My name is Joe Armstrong. Their names collectively are Joy Kills Sorrow, or if you're Canadian and some of them are, Joy Kills Sorrow. Very, very happy to have them in our studio today. Uh, you guys are doing a lot of dates coming up. You're booked through November, so you can check them out if you happen to live in Loveland, Colorado. They'll be there on June 15th. Also, they've got dates throughout the Northeast, which is kind of their home turf, and some dates up in Canada as well. Um, it's so it's, You've got this acoustic-y band going, and it's so important because even as loud as you get, you're still quieter than a lot of bands. Do you still wind up playing shows where people like aren't paying attention? Because like when you're a rock band, you still run into that. People can be yammering at full volume right in front of the stage, and it's okay because you're playing through a hashtag. But for you, do you still run into shows where people, I mean, aren't respectful and are aren't listening? And how do you handle that? Um, well, yeah, we do. Uh, somehow, I feel like lately the, even the bar gigs we've played people have been really loud during our rockin' songs and it's been great and they've cheered after solos and then we've actually got away with playing some really quiet stuff with just a few people talking in the back so i don't know if that's just because they actually are just joy kill sorrow fans and they're there and they know how to function during those different songs but um we we, we do craft our set list also like specifically for certain shows to to be more of a rockin' thing or yeah I used to have like different sets that I would I would call them a different style of set. I would call like an hourglass set, where I would have like a like a front loaded set. You know, if we were opening or if we were you know closing or an end loaded set, or I had all these different types yeah. of ideas. I'm not sure how well they ever worked, <laughs> but I had them just the same. Put a lot of thought into it's it. It's all about how they make you feel while you're playing the set. So if yeah. you're convinced it's a good idea, then that's what matters. Yeah, and there's a certain aspect, and this goes, you know, bluegrass, you know, especially the way it's played nowadays, it falls loosely into this kind of jam band kind of thing. Do you guys ever list a little bit towards improvisatory jam band type type stuff or no? Not so much. This this band tends to lean towards pretty concise solos most of the time. I mean, there have been times when we've done that a little bit more but it, we've never really crossed all the way but some of us are constantly pushing for it <laughs> jake always wants longer mandolin solos yeah. he just wants more room to stretch out but we clip his wings constantly <laughs> yeah you know a case can be made for both for both things because like that's one thing man if like getting into that jam band circuit there's thousands of people who will just line up and come see you guys play. But that definitely means you've got to have like 16 choruses of mandolin solo in every song. Right. Not a problem tragedy. for Jake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's I'm sure for you is a tragedy. But, you know, but then, you know, but I, I think the styles that I really like are a little more succinct. You're having respect for the song. The song is not a vehicle to, uh, I was going to say masturbate, but, you know, solos get kind of masturbatory if they get too long. And there's something to be said for brevity and getting in, getting out, and leaving people wanting more. Because if you leave them wanting more, they're going to come back. That's, at least that's the idea. Yeah, I think one of the things we definitely keep in mind when we're arranging is what is best for the song. And, and we try out just about every idea under the sun. <laughs> Sometimes probably to our detriment. But, but we really try and you know keep the song in mind. But, you know, we have backgrounds in bluegrass and we want to make sure that the instrumentalists get featured as well so finding a balance between that you know featuring people and showing what everybody's capable of but also keeping it you know in keeping with the lyrics and what's going to work and and be interesting yeah because if you there if you're unless you're a jam band person you're going to get bored no matter how crazy the solo gets you know unless you're going to see van halen or 
you know, some other person who's really into that. I'm looking at you, son. <laughs> <laughs> I kid, I kid. No, it's fantastic. Uh, I'm kidding. Um, you know, the, the, you're, you're kind of, that audience is out there, but that's a narrow audience. As big as the jam band audience is, you, once you get pigeonholed into that jam band thing, you're kind of stuck there. And it's a box that's kind of hard to break out of, I think. I mean, I think it's also, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but we don't really listen to that music that much. You know, we, we listen to a lot of rock music and stuff and you know to some extent we do but it's not like a, a huge part of what we listen to so i don't think it translates into the music that yeah. we're making i think we're also just all for the most part all of us as musicians are really interested in dynamics and we want tunes to tell a story and take you somewhere and we we want them to fit with the lyrics and have emotional content in the in the in the instrumental part you know and following those dynamics it just is a nicer way to tell a story than just this is going to sound insulting but just blabbing on for a long period yeah. of time isn't maybe the best way to communicate a story sometimes you can do it better with arrangement and ideas and conciseness dynamics are so important like i, I always think about you too when i think about dynamics Every um, every other song they have is one four 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 and I say that with respect, but they do so much with dynamics with that one four one four one four one four that they fill stadiums with it and it's a beautiful thing. So I, I mean I, I like what you guys are doing with it. Let's let's hear another tune here before we get too much out of time. Uh, I think this is the track "Working for the Devil." Anybody want to talk about this song just a little bit before we start it? Sure. Yeah. This is this is one that I started in my living room. There's a Wurlitzer in my living room for a few months. Um, but yeah, I was messing around on it and, and the uh, sort of instrumental hook parts of, of this song came to me just playing Wurlitzer and then Bridget, our former bass player, was staying at my house for a few days and uh, we wrote the song together. Very nice. All right, so once again, Joy Kills Sorrow and Independence Day with their track Working for the Devil live in my living room. Well, you can't be a good man when 
Joy Kills Sorrow with Working for the Devil. And man, if that's not a drive-by trucker song waiting to happen, I don't know what is. Do you guys like drive-by truckers at all? Are you familiar with drive-by truckers? I don't know. I know the name and that's it. Let's talk a little bit about, there's five people in this band. Who's doing, who's doing the writing? Is this something that's kind of split up across all five of you? Do you work together in pairs? Do you write in rehearsals? Like, How do you create these new tunes? And anybody can take this. All of the above. Uh, we, you know, we do some songs that are written entirely by an individual, and lately we've been doing more and more co-writing. Um, no matter how the song comes to the band, we are all equally very involved in the arrangement process, and sometimes it'll come to the band as just like lyrics with a melody and a couple chords, and we work out maybe an entire bridge part or an entirely new chord structure for a solo section. But uh, we all really get involved in how the song's going to come together. And as I was saying earlier, we try out everybody's ideas yeah. a couple times. That sounds like a, a great working arrangement. It seems like there's a lot of respect. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's great, but it's slow. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're painfully slow at arranging material, but it's because we like to make sure we've gotten the right thing and not just go with the first thing that comes up. How open are you? To, like, if you come in with an idea and you say, "Okay, this is here's the song structure," you know, and then someone else goes, "Oh no, this this really should be in this key," and I've got this great idea for a bridge. I mean, how precious are you? Because people can get very, very precious about their songwriting. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think it. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm that precious about it. I I play cello, but I don't. I usually uh, bring a a melody and words to Jake, and I get him to figure out the chords. Okay. <laughs> um, but she gives me five to seven percent credit too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it probably de- you know depends on the song and how far the the writer has kind of gotten with their idea. You know, as I said, if if somebody comes and and they've got the melody and the words and the chord structure and they already have an idea for maybe a guitar part or a banjo part, then uh, it might be a little more stuck on a direction that it's going to go, but even in those cases, we try stuff out. Everybody's willing to try stuff out, and people don't hesitate to say if they don't like it, but we're willing to try it. So if somebody has an idea that they really think is going to be good, even if it's really different from the original plan, we still give it a shot. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, you guys also have the benefit of being a five-piece, so there can be a simple majority. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> we work with a voting system. Does that, sure. is it, is it a, a democracy in that regard? Does that come into play sometimes? Yeah. We, we like, call votes very vote frequently. For everything. Oh, uh, yeah? Like, I'm not eating at Applebee's again. Should Three we to stop two, we at rule. Subway, let's take a vote. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, honestly, it's so funny. Subway, when I first started touring, when I first started touring, there wasn't even Subway. Like, when you were touring, <laughs> That's like you, probably a blessing. you could find, well, no, but this is what I'm getting at. Like, back then, it was like you could find a mom and pop shop, which may not be the best idea sometimes if in certain parts of the country. And there was no Applebee's. So it was like, literally, it was like, well, do you want to eat a McDonald's or Burger King? Right. That was your choice. Right. So when Subway, you know, people dog on Subway, but good God, they actually have vegetables. You know, they have actually something that resembles bread. Yeah, we stop and, at grocery stores a lot, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As much as I hate to say it, man, Walmarts are uh, a problem for our society. But 
for a touring band, they can be a really convenient thing because God knows if you want a lawnmower blade <laughs> at four o'clock in the morning on Tuesday between Texarkana and Oklahoma City, yeah. along with a sandwich and yeah. you know we whatever. We usually go for Actually, Target because yeah. Target always has Starbucks. Yeah. Or Safeway <laughs> yeah, has Starbucks true. and a hot food section. You got to figure these things out. It's very important. Yeah. Who has? Like, what's what's the number one album? Because um, you guys are taking iPods to listen. To, do you guys play music on the van that everyone listens to? Or are you iPodding it up and everybody's got their own little... <laughs> <laughs> well, funny you should ask. <laughs> we do iPod, but lately what we've been finding more entertaining in the van is Wes's iPad with GarageBand on okay. it. So we sit in the van and make music on the iPad that is trying to be as funny as we can possibly be while going down the highway and making music on an iPad. And there, yeah. there's some hits. You should be looking for... There's a lot of improvised lyrics. <laughs> I found very simple subjects. I heard you guys doing something before yeah. when I was setting yeah. up. Would you yeah. indulge us with yeah, a... Yeah, with a, with yeah, a, with yeah, a oh, absolutely. Should we do, should do Emma's hair? Yeah, just do back Emma's off hair. the mics just a little bit because okay. you'll be singing. But yeah. I, I'm very curious. What, what yeah. is this called, by the way? Uh, this one is titled Emma Has Red Hair. Okay, so back off. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Let's hear it. Emma has a bunch of red hair on her head. There's no doubt about it. Emma has a bunch of red hair on her head. The hair that is hers. Is that it? That's, no, well, I mean, that's the chorus. There's some sweet beats. Oh, you have verses. Yeah. There's verses. There's, there's a talk over section, and I do a little like sultry talk over yeah. while Jake does a little. Oh, bit of I, I, I do some Scottish slow action. jamming it. Wes yeah. is the engineer. Yeah, I engineer. You know, come up with some pretty sweet beats. Some really great MIDI piano playing. Definitely never. We're we're very anti. Uh, Quantizing anything. Yeah, yeah, okay. So it, it's you know it's it's very human. It's loose. Yeah. yeah. No, you know what? I I see a future in this. You, yeah. That that should be like a tour chronicle. You should have like for your for your fans. You yeah. should do. We're, yeah, we're, we're gonna release we'll put it. Put out a children's record, maybe. <laughs> a, a vulgar children's. Record. <laughs> it, you know, it's actually pretty even, clean. Yeah, yeah. they're really not that vulgar. The, the basic idea is just to find sort of the, a rudimentary idea for the song that is as dumb as possible. <laughs> okay. Like we found, so usually the song starts with, uh, there's a drum machine in GarageBand and it will randomly generate a beat. Um, a so you just like, beat. and, and most of the time they are so dumb. <laughs> they sound terrible. And then, uh, so like I'll just randomly generate a beat in a random tempo and then like maybe I'll start playing piano to it or somebody else will and then, Jake usually starts singing the stupidest lyrics I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But his delivery the, is uh, priceless. One of the strategies we found most effective humor-wise is, you know, because we're, we're um, trying to record uh, into this iPad, but we don't want what we're hearing to be re-recorded. So someone has to put headphones on. Right, like, yeah. We don't have a splitter. You like, so I was saying, you need like a headphone person. splitter yeah, yeah. amp. You don't have one. So you have... The person who's maybe just singing the backup vocals gets the phones, and the person taking the lead right. is just guesswork, just yeah. where, wherever they think the beat probably is. Yeah. And, that and wherever they think humorous. the key is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we had a little mishap this morning with Jake starting to sing some lead in a different key. Yeah. Okay. So that was pretty sweet. Yeah. You know, this is cre- this is how creativity happens, man. Yeah. You need to do like you do a YouTube channel with this. There's a band from up in uh, San Francisco. Uh, the, the Gramblers are there called and they, you can find their YouTube channel they do all these they call them van sessions 
they're incredible. Like people should totally check this out. I mean, ours are not incredible. Like, they'll <laughs> do like they'll do like Holland Oats covers in the van. Like they'll set the camera up yeah, like, where, where the rearview mirror is, and then you know someone will sing lead, and they'll do the background vocals, and all the key elements of the song are there. Like maybe they'll play it on melodica, and like you know awesome. play drums on the back of the seat. But it's the coolest thing I've ever. I mean, maybe not the coolest thing I've ever seen, but it's awful damn cool. <laughs> I, th- I totally think you guys should do this. So we've got about enough time for one more tune. I think this is called "Get Along." Who who wrote "Get Along"? Where where did the the seed for this come from? Uh, this is a tune by our former bassist Bridget Carney. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is she cool with you guys playing songs that she wrote? Oh yeah, yeah. Her and <laughs> I are still are. writing together. Even we've done okay. a lot of co-writing together. All right, that's how bands go, man. It's it's yeah. a they, people go like we we touched on this before. People come and go for lots of different reasons. And man, it's the hardest thing you'll find is when you get older, people really start going off to like do other things because this is. I mean, making music is this wonderful like minstrel life that you're living. But people eventually, <laughs> a lot of people tire of it. It's hard. <laughs> Yeah. It's hard, man, being on the road. I mean, everyone I know from the time that I was touring full-time is either divorced, was divorced already, or has been since divorced. So with that so cheery that note... To to. <laughs> so you've got... So you've got married, so yeah. Yeah, so all right. Well, you're on the right path then. You just save yourself the trouble. Anyway, this is the song Get Along. The band is Joy Kills Sorrow. Very happy to have them here on Independence Day.
Yet another song from Joy Kills Sorrow. Man, these guys are cool. Girls, I should say. Guys is kind of the collective thing. Guys and girls. But they're badass. They're playing great songs. They're nice to my dog. Happy to have them here. Uh, so what's next for you guys? You guys got a bunch of dates lined up for the rest of the summer. The EP just dropped. So are you thinking, you know, some of the last couple of bands I've talked to when their, their record just came out, they're like, oh, yeah, we're already in the studio doing our next thing. What is it? Where are you guys in terms of this? We are not in the studio yet, except for with the iPad projects. I mean, okay. we, uh, we've got some new material that we want to start working on, but we haven't really had a chance on this tour. We'll probably schedule some rehearsals like next month and start yeah. working on some music. And you guys are in different towns too, right? Sort of? Yeah, we're pretty spread out. Uh, Zoe, the bass player, uh, still lives in Canada, and I'm probably the furthest point. I, I live in Brooklyn, and then the rest of the guys sort of live spread out in between Portland, Maine, and Boston. So where do you get together to rehearse? We usually get together at Wes, the banjo player's house. Okay. Uh, sort of, you know, somewhat central, central centrally kind located. of. And he actually has an apartment with a living room that people can fit in. So yeah. that's that, that's really why. Which is the first first step, you know, yeah. having room for everyone to actually <laughs> yeah, be in the same room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty common nowadays in, in bands. Like people will be just from all over the place because with, with the internet you can collaborate so easily yeah. being so far apart, stay in touch, you can send tracks back and forth. It's, it's very fantastic. And you guys, like I said, you've got dates lined up through November, constantly booking more, but you guys have a cool announcement one of my favorite shows you're playing, and when? Give me, give me the lowdown on this. Yeah, we're playing on Prairie Home Companion on June 29th. And that's in the Massachusetts location, the yeah, Tanglewood. Yeah, Mass. That is, that is so ridiculously cool. We're super stoked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really I, I mean I, as a young man, I couldn't, I couldn't groove to the Prairie Home Companion. It was kind of too fuddy-duddy, but I am from the Midwest. And once I left the Midwest, it became this little slice of home that I just tune into <laughs> every week. I'm not religious about it or anything, but they have great musical acts on there. You guys are going to be in good company. Mark Knopfler has been on Prairie Home Companion. Yeah, there's a lot of big, long list of great musicians that have been yeah. on there. It's definitely an honor to be chosen for it. So. Yeah, so congratulations. That's really, really, nice. really, really amazing. I will most certainly be tuning in. So, so we've had Matt, Emma, Wes, Zoe, and Jake. Collectively, they are Joy Kills Sorrow. You can find out about them at joykillssorrow.com. Follow them on Twitter at twitter.com slash joykillssorrow. It's been my honor and pleasure to have you guys on the show tonight. Thank you so very much. 
Thanks. Thanks. Uh, thank you for having us, Joe. So best, best of luck, safe travels, have a great tour this summer, and buy their EP, buy their other <laughs> albums, go to their website, find it on iTunes, buy it at a show. It's even the best place to buy it. That's what puts gas in their tank Absolutely. and food in their mouths. So thank you to Joy Kill Sorrow, also the, to the Independence Day staff, Dell Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton, and as always to Valentina Rivera at Lancer Radio. Thanks as well to Bliss Bowen and Suzanne Spinoza for Gear Rental and everyone at Molly's Mobile Studio. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. For Independence Day, I am Joe Armstrong. Please be good to one another.